Welcome to the Bedpost Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Erin Pym. And what I like to do here on the podcast is bring fun and sexy guests into my bedroom sometimes, sometimes uh, the library in my building. <laughs> Today, um, I have a fantastic guest. We're going to be talking about a lot of different fun topics about sex and sexuality. But first, uh, I want to direct you all to my Patreon, because that's how I make the money, honey. Um, if you go over to patreon.com slash thebedpushshow, you're going to get uh, erotica stories that I've written and I read to you. That's right, audio erotica. You're going to get uh, fetish photo sets, fetish clips and films uh, by me and my friends. You're also going to get uh, solo mini episodes of the Bedpost podcast, and those are myself talking about my pro-dom life and also my uh, personal life as a poly gal. So if you're into any of those, or you're just a listener and want to show me some love in the uh, language of money, then you can do so once again at patreon.com slash the Bedpost show. And oh, without further ado, this is someone that like I'm I'm very excited to have on the pod. I'm so surprised that it took this long, <laughs> but I am relishing the moment now that we finally uh, is setting up this interview. So please welcome to the mic, everyone, kink educator and sex worker Taylor J. Mace. Wow! goes how are you, Taylor? Doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm so happy to have you here. Me too. It's been a long time in the works. True, yes. I think I, I've i been, like, very aware of you, like, in an online mm-hmm. way. Same. Like, yeah, your Twitter and your Instagram and stuff. And definitely knowing you're, like, out there in the sex-positive community that we mm. have here in TO. Um, but we came across each other at Tell Me Something Good for the yes. first time. Is that where we first actually met? First time in person. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Which is uh, Claire and Sam's uh, sexy storytelling, yeah. a non-curated sexy storytelling event that they do at Glad Day Bookshop now. Yeah. And there's also a podcast that has not been updated in a while, yeah. but the episodes that are out are delightful. Agreed. Yeah. Tell me something good. Yeah. What was your What was your story? I feel like it was like oh, peeing I, into someone's butt, um, possibly. I have told that story, yes. <laughs> I tell a story basically every time. Um, nice. So yeah. you're you're a frequenter yes. of this event. Yes, I am. I try and go every time I'm in town. Amazing. Um, and, and you go up, and basically you can just like go up and tell a story. Yeah. Like you can just attend it, and then you're like, hey, I can do that, and oh, yeah. oh, I got a story tonight. They pass around a hat. You put your name in if you want to tell a story. Sometimes there's a theme. Lately, there hasn't been because they've been running it for like six years, and yeah. it's hard to think of themes after that long. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> but, no, that was uh, that was a very favorite story of mine. Actually, it's quite um, fantastic. It was. I was very like thrilled. I put on Twitter the one day that I wanted a stand pee device, yeah, so that I could pee in people's butts. <laughs> Not expecting this to go anywhere, and then Spectrum Boutique down in the States sent me two different ones to review. Yeah. And I was very upfront and like, you realize that I'm only going to be talking about peeing in anuses, right? (laughs) 
and she loved it. So I got these two, and it was a very ridiculous but very fun like testing process. <laughs> I'm sure it was. I did read the reviews, and I was like, oh, this is just genius, because... At the time, I think I was working at, I was working in sex toy retail, Uh and we had a bunch of stand-to-be devices as well, and I was just, like, looking at them in a whole new way. A whole new way. (laughs) I see what you did there. I see what I did there. But I'm (laughs) So, okay, we do have a bunch of topics all lined up here, which is great. And they're basically ones that you have, like, taught workshops on recently, right? Uh, Maybe not recently. But ones that you like talking about, you know, in in your repertoire of teaching. Exactly. Yeah. So how about we start, um, since we've already gone in really hard on peeing in somebody's butt. Uh uh, (laughs) That was just the barest of overviews, I'll have you know. Maybe we can we can take this back out uh, to we can pull out and um, talk about something a little more kind of uh, that has some general appeal, possibly, you know, uh-huh. to people who aren't peeing in each other's butts on the regular. I mean, I think it's a hilarious story whether or not whether or not it's your thing that that's irrelevant questionable yeah yeah either way you will enjoy it exactly but let's go back to a topic that everyone can relate to how to negotiate the sex you want yeah how do we start doing that um so first uh, i think it's important to like give it some thought on your own before you start talking to the person that you want to have sex with about Mm it and sort of like get a sense of what it is you want, what it is you're looking for. And if you don't have much experience or you're nervous or shy or, or, or Mm -hmm. this, even thinking about it to yourself can be really challenging. Um, And in this case, like the internet is your friend. Mm -hmm. It's, it's so much easier to think of things for me, at least if I'm, if I have a list in front of me. Uh, so there's things like yes, no, maybe lists. Yeah, and you can find those anywhere, right? Yeah, yeah. you can find them all over the internet. Uh, my friend Bex of Bex Talks Sex has a really great one that he made up that includes things such as what words you like to be called, uh, what words you like to be called in various settings. So if you're doing humiliation, if you're doing like a regular scene, if you're like all of these different things what words you like for your body parts. Um, And it's a lot more in-depth than a lot of the lists I've seen, but really any list will do. Yeah. Um, I like that. That's something I always ask, like, as a professional. I'm always like, okay, what names do you like to be called? Right. What names do you like for your bits? What phrases do you like to hear? Like, to me, vocabulary is so important, so I like that you start there. It really is. Yeah. Um, And, like, that's... That's something I bump into a lot because a lot of the people I play with personally or professionally are very into humiliation play. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And not only is something potentially humiliating for one person, but not another, um, it could be like, could make someone else feel great. But also, I engage in humiliation play a lot, but I don't actually experience sexuality as humiliating. Mm -hmm. Um, So my engagement with it is more, the other person likes humiliation play, this is what they're telling me they 
like for it. But whereas I'm coming from it from, if you're into this, I like giving people pleasure. There's nothing humiliating about making someone happy. Yeah. So why would I find this humiliating? It's yeah, it's it's very subjective. Right. Really, like even just something as that may seem as specific as humiliation play. It's like okay, but I want it like that, not like that, and I mean yeah. humiliating in this way, but not that way. Yeah. And it, like it's something, and it can be a very type of high risk kink like Absolutely. like not physically unless you're also engaging in other types of right. play physically as well but um you know that it has the potential for a lot of damage mm-hmm. and harm especially if you don't have conversations going into it yeah absolutely yeah. to me i treat that as like just as risky like quote unquote risk play like as other as like physically edgy kinks right i, I treat it with that much care as well Oh, absolutely. I have one client I regularly do humiliation with who is very into worship. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, treat me like a god, have that, have me treat them like, you know, like something under my shoe kind of yeah. thing, which yeah. is great fun, but it also involves me telling them that they're worthless a lot of the time and putting them down and ignoring them and... If you don't have some boundaries in line, if you don't know where the edges are for that person, like, they're great. They're one of my favorite people. <laughs> like, I absolutely adore this client. Yeah. And yet you might not know that if you don't If you have... kind of looked at the yeah. scene from this objective Or you know, if outliers. the two of us hadn't had conversations, if the two of us didn't have times out from the scene, things like that. Yeah. It could very much be like something that could be harmful to them, yeah, definitely. emotionally. Um, but anyway, uh, jumping back to the yes, no, maybe. Yes. List. Oh, I like. Well, I like how you were saying about that. Um, sorry, I just had a thought no, you're good. before we continue. Um, that that's something they need to know too, as yes, a bottom, right? Absolutely. So, as you were saying, kind of at the beginning, it starts with you knowing and researching on the internet or experimenting mm. with, you know, different things by yourself first before you can jump into that couple scenario, right? Because if they don't know where their edges are for humiliation play, since we're talking yeah. about that, they're not going to be able to communicate that to you. So, right? Yeah. Um, so we've talked a bit about a yes, no, maybe less, but if people aren't familiar. It's a list of activities, um, and you vote if yes, you you are into it, no, you're not, or maybe. You can also say, like, yes, I'm into this as a top, yes, I'm into this as a bottom, Um, no, I'm not into this, but I am willing to do it. Like I feel kind of neutral about it, maybe. Or for me, there's a lot of things that, they're not my kink necessarily, but I love seeing other people's reactions i um i'm very much into service as a top or a bottom Mm -hmm. so if the other person's thing is that like i would love to be of service yes i'd love to do it yeah me too it does nothing for me independently so that would be a sort of a shrug i could put that down as a maybe or a no um but it is something i'm willing to do so some lists have a little bit more nuance that, um, than just yes, no, maybe, but you can rate it however you'd like. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it can be the start of a conversation. Like, you yeah. know, you don't just hand in the form to your partner and, no. and they read it and they're like, great, let's start. It's of like, course. you know, it, it's a good entryway to the conversation right. of how you really feel about certain activities. Yeah. So it's like you just said, it's a great starting point. It's a great starting point for you to get a sense of what it is you're looking for. And, and what's a, out there. Yeah. And what's out there. Um, it's a great starting point that the two of you maybe could do the same less independently, give it some thought and maybe pick your top 10 mm-hmm. out of them. Like, because they're long lists, yes. there's so much out there. Yeah. Uh, so maybe like take your top 10 that you want to try right now, or you want to try with that person because there are things you want to do, but not with everyone. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, and And not that you have to do it all at once. Like if somebody gave me, came into a session and gave me 10 things, I'd be like, whoa, (laughs) let's choose three. (laughs) Depending on how long we have. I'd be like, if it's like rope and claws and biting and spank it, like very small things, but yeah, 10 is a lot. 10 might be a lot for one scene. Yes. (laughs) I say 10 because... That way, when you take your list and you take those top 10, you give them to your partner, maybe they only like one of the things on there. Good, great point. Um, yes, of So course. you're not giving it to them so that you do all those 10. True, true, true. You're doing that so that you're not handing them a list of 80 things that you're interested <laughs> in and you want to try, <laughs> but you're not giving them one thing and saying, this is the only thing... And, and it's a deal breaker. Yeah. Like, if you're not into this, then nothing. Exactly. It's like you're presenting 10 and they'll be like, okay, I would like to top you with these few. Right. Love that. Yeah. And then you can see their top 10 as well. And Their top 10? What about their bottom 10? <laughs> their that switch, was awful. Switch 10? That was awful. <laughs> I'm upset. Podcast over. Going home. Good night. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so you can compare what's in your top ten or your bottom ten. Um, but what you have in common, like, yeah. you know, you, so you both have your top ten, right? And then it's like, oh, okay, we both are right. maybes with this. Would like to start experimenting with this. Fantastic. Exactly. And another reason why I think, like, showing both of your lists and having both of you do it is it's a lot less intimidating to say hey, I'm interested in, we go with this example again, peeing in someone's butt. Like, that could make you feel really vulnerable. Right. Um, even if it's a more mainstream interest that you have on your list. Like, I want to make out with you. Yes. Um, saying what you want is vulnerable. Yes. Um, especially if you're not used to it with that person. Um, or... You know, if it's been a while since you've had sex or whatever the reason. Mm -hmm. Um, They're just hard conversations to have in general. They really are. Yeah. But if the other person is also being vulnerable and sharing what they want, it's often a lot easier to make that step. For sure. It seems like more of a conversation. Yeah. (laughs) Rather than you just being put in the spotlight and having to unpack everything. (laughs) Right. Um, and you know, everyone's afraid or not everyone, but a lot of us are afraid of being shut down. Yeah. Um, having someone not 
reciprocate our feelings, um, putting ourselves out there and having it go nowhere, this sort of thing. Like, it's hard. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to sex, like, everyone is very messed up about sex. True. Like, if working in this field has taught me anything, it's that 100% of us have weird sex hang-ups that we may or may not know about. Yeah. Um, And we've got all sorts of ingrained ideas about, like, how it's a shameful thing, or we're not supposed to talk about it, or we're not supposed to want it. Or Or how it's supposed to look. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we've, we've got all of these expectations and thoughts in our head that is different from person to person. Mm-hmm. Um, but depending on what terrible experience yeah. you had as a, a youth. Or what great experiences you had. Yeah. Uh, but absolutely. Yeah. Um, I love how you're talking about this, like, um, because, like, kinksters, you know, are well aware of the negotiation process. That's something hopefully. that hopefully, ideally, people are doing before they engage yes. in kink scenes. But I love how you're talking about this, like, in the context of any type of, you know, sexual intimate play you want to do with another person let's have this same process um of just really hashing out exactly what we want to do Mm -hmm. and what we don't want to do beforehand like i it's it really is something that i think you should do more often in all types of sex not just kink definitely um like as someone you know with chronic illnesses who's trans like there are things that I like better than others. There are things I can do better than others. And a lot of the time, in vanilla sex, for me personally, it's more likely to come up against one of these barriers than with kink. Because my kink is completely different mm-hmm. from, you know, uh, what may happen in vanilla sex. Yeah. Um, And I think a lot of people have this assumption that vanilla sex looks one way. Yes. Whereas they're more willing to admit that kink looks differently. Um, Like vanilla sex, you know, you're going to do the makeouts, you're going to strip, there's going to be some groping, there's going to be oral, and then the penis goes in. Or the fingers go in. Yeah. And, and an orgasm happens. Both and it's over. both people orgasm yeah. and it's over. Yeah. Um, and I don't like oral sex. Yeah. And receiving it, at least. Um, giving it is great fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way with like particular acts of quote unquote vanilla sex. I'm like, I don't need you to go down on me. Yeah. I don't really, if you want to do it for you and you want to do like a worshipy servicey thing for me, again, that's one of the things that I kind of feel neutral about. Yeah, yeah it's kind of pleasurable, but like, I'd rather be doing a lot of other things if right. it's specifically up to like my wants, needs, desires. Exactly. So yeah, for myself, like, cause I've been doing King for a long time as well. I love to have these conversations before, like, somebody that is not necessarily identified themselves as a kinky person or a kinky partner. I'm like, hey, just, you know, I need a vibrator to have an orgasm. Right. Um, You know, I like, maybe you can do this to me while I'm using my vibe. That is usually producing a great time for me. (laughs) I'm not a huge fan of someone going down on me, though you can if it's, like, super important to you. All these things, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the time I'm fairly indifferent to receiving orgasms. They're fun, but they're not the point of sex for me. Yeah. And a lot of the time, like, 
I would rather focus on what I do care about during sex, not have an orgasm and get myself off later. Yeah. Um, yeah. Depending on, yeah, I'm the same way depending on, cause I can be a little finicky as far yeah. as orgasms go. So I'm like, okay, we can either choose to really go hard at this orgasm, which may or may not happen and may be, you know, maybe not great place to focus a first meeting. Right. What might be better is to like really pay attention to each other and kind of learn each other's bodies Mm -hmm. and really just focus more on connecting and like energy exchange and feeling pleasure together and being in the room together rather, rather than this like goal in mind. Yeah. I find the goal oriented when it comes to the goal being my orgasm to really impact the feeling of what's happening in a way that I don't particularly care for. Yeah. Um, I much prefer when it comes to vanilla sex, if I like, if an orgasm happens, if it happens to happen, as opposed to, all right, it's time for Taylor to orgasm. We're going to focus in on that. This is what's happening now. It's Taylor's orgasm time. That's not pleasurable to me. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. Um, If we do that during kink sex, that might be a different conversation. Yeah. Um, or again, with a different partner. Right. Perhaps. Different, yeah. Exactly. In a different place. In a different time. <laughs> like, all these factors, right? So many factors. Yeah. Uh, but no, it, like, like we're talking about, it's definitely something that I think needs to be discussed just as often as when it comes sex. to vanilla sex as it does with vanilla sex. Yeah. And... Maybe even more often because we have this idea that we don't need to because it's just... We know how it goes. Yeah. We know the script. There's a script. Yeah. But does that script talk about how it can be challenging to stay in doggy style for you? Or maybe your cervix is placed at a position where you're not into that. Or maybe when you're riding the other person you feel self-conscious about how your body looks or are we having those conversations Mm -hmm. no exactly and we don't necessarily need to get into the why we don't like it you don't need to tell a new partner that you know i don't like this act because it links back to some trauma we don't need to go there you can if you want but I like X over Y. That is enough. Yeah, that's a complete sentence. That's Exactly. And if you're sleeping with someone who... One of the things I like doing when I meet a new person, especially a new man, um, is regardless what type of relationship we have early on, saying no to him for something small. Like, if you asked if I wanted to go to coffee on Tuesday, I could say no, not... Um, can't do Tuesday. Leave it at that pitch, let's say Friday. And there's going to be one of a few reactions to this. I love this, by the way. Right? There's <laughs> going to be, okay, let's do Friday. Yeah. Or, mm, or a version of, no, sorry, Friday doesn't work, and further negotiation. There will be, oh, why can't you do Tuesday? Huh. Um, and then there's Because I said I can't. Right. And if, if they ask, oh, what's wrong with Tuesday, then that's fine. Doesn't make them a terrible person uh, automatically. But, right. <laughs> However. But if you say no to them for something small, you can see how they're respecting the boundaries that you put out there. 
um, or challenge. Are they yeah. challenging them? Are or they asking? Being stubborn you, about them right. or manipulative about them. There's a big difference between asking, oh, what are you up to on Tuesday? Because you're curious about the other person's life. Uh, but respecting their boundary completely versus them trying to pry details of your life that you're not offering them early on in this relationship. Mm-hmm. And similar, if you tell them, I like missionary over doggy, you can just leave it at that mm-hmm. and they can accept it. They can ask you about it because curiosity in a respectful way or they can pry in a way that makes you not feel good Mm -hmm. Um, just like saying no in other situations and Mm -hmm. I use this as a way of sort of gauging what comfort I have with them and how comfortable I feel expressing actual boundaries and how much I trust that they're going to listen and respect them and not pry Mm-hmm. Like, I might not mind telling you why I don't like a thing, but you don't definitely get to know just because you're interested, and I don't like people in my life who... Think, think they're entitled yeah, to, like... They're not entitled to know about my past, my trauma, my interests in general, mm-hmm. just because they want to know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Love that so much. <laughs> All right. I think we did a great job with that. Well, you did a great job with that. Thank I think pig- I piggybacked on you it. You did well. <laughs> okay. Um, because we said it might be a bit of a smaller topic, mm. um, I thought we'd squeeze into just the second half of the first half. Modifying kink for accessibility. Now you teach a yeah. work. You have taught a workshop yes. on this, and you said it was kind of visual. So, but I do want to bring a, it up. I yeah. do want to talk about it. Um, so you said that you you are, have chronic illness. Yes. Or, yep. Yeah. Uh, so it's part visual, but also like it works better if there's a back and forth. Right. Right. Um, right. 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 Which right. we won't get from the audience who is listening to this <laughs> podcast in a month or however long it takes you to put it out. Right. But I teach a lot about accessing kink and this could be kink clothes cost so much money how do we how do we afford that like because it's and sex toys and yeah all, of all that are stuff so expensive yeah. and if you want to go to any event it can, a lot of them are not accessible yeah clothing. yeah yeah number one um, require a certain dress code or clothing which is super as someone who really likes seeing people dressed up in their kink clothes yeah. and appreciates when everyone in the room is dressed really nice, it's a really classist and ableist yeah. rule. Yeah. Um, so I talk about like accessing clothing and modifying clothing and that sort of thing, but cool. also kink itself. Um, for instance talked earlier uh, briefly about some people will find doggy style a challenging Difficult. position. Uh, being on your knees is a very common 
thing for kink people. Yeah. Um, That's one of the most common things when I ask about like physical limitations, anything I need to know about your body. They're mostly people say I can't be on my knees for long. That's yeah. very, very common. Exactly. And especially cause they know I might want them on their knees cause they're submissive. Mm-hmm. It's a very classic posture. Right. Yeah. So, but I hear that a, a lot. I yeah. can't be on my knees for long. I hear that all the time as well. And for some people, knee pads, that's enough. Other people, it just won't work no matter what. Um, one of my demo bottoms for my spanking classes, uh, they have bad knees and bad hips. So they can stand and brace themselves against the wall, but kneeling over furniture, that sort of thing. That's, Any sort of bending, yeah. kind of, to receive the spank. Right. It's challenging. Um, so... There's this idea, a lot of the time, I I know we said earlier that people have a better understanding that kink can look at any sort of way, but at the same time, we have an idea of what kink looks like. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have this idea that the person who's receiving the pain, like you said, might be on their knees, they might... um, Be restrained in a position... Yeah. There's all sorts of things like that. Yeah. Like with rope, there's the idea that the bottom is going to be young, thin, white, busty, pretty girl, mm-hmm. um, able-bodied, like all of this. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you go to fetish nights, you'll see the, a lot of bondage riggers will be tying all night people who fit that description and no one else. Yeah. But anyone can be tied mm-hmm. in rope. Um, my first experience with rope really was part of a rope bondage and disability shoot. Amazing. Um, so there were people getting tied up in their wheelchairs. There were people like using their cane instead of a bamboo rod, for example. Um, there were people like tying with red rope around the parts of their body that hurt more, um, as visual signifiers of don't grab me here. Cool. Um, people can get tied even if they don't fit that idea of what we see out there. Yeah. This is something I I like to talk about and write about a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. just like as a dominant, um, because same thing, you, you have that idea of, a fit, white, able-bodied, mm-hmm. you know, person in leather and latex and seven-inch heels and full face of makeup and nails and mm-hmm. all of these things, you know, all of these things. But it's like any, you know, you don't need to look like any, like how you look, what you're wearing, like that is not going to influence right. how you can dominate someone in the least. Like in some ways, clothing can enhance, you know, how you feel more powerful or whatnot. Oh, absolutely. They can be useful in ways like that. But I can for sure give an ass whooping in like I onesie. Like, yeah. For example, you know. Sometimes a lot easier in a onesie, quite frankly. Exactly. Uh, I'm not a fan of a lot of, uh, uh, like, I, I don't not, I'm shit in heels. Mm-hmm. Like I have, I was in ballet a lot of my life and my feet are fucked. Mm-hmm. I can't wear heels anymore. Gotcha. I just can't. So Can I'm, you wear ballet heels though? Oh, like the, the, yeah, the, the point ones. I can't wear shit. Not even close. 
Ugh, my feet are so I wasn't so sure bad. if it would be easier or harder for you in ballet heels because of the background. Yeah, <laughs> it might it might be a little easier than like a weight on a flex toe. It right. might be a little easier, but still I'm like, I'm just not going to do any sort of foot bondage, right. meaning any sort of... Yeah. Anything other than like the demonia boots that I wear to dominate. Right. Like, you know what I mean? But anyways, um, yes. So I, I totally love this topic is what I'm yeah. saying. Um, but no, there's like, let's talk about rope a little bit more. Great. Yes, there is please. this idea of, and I am not a super skilled rope top by any means. I'm learning. I am in the process of it. It's a it's big, a journey. Big commitment. Or not commitment, but like undertaking. There's so much about it. Um, but there's, you know, certain ideas out there that of what a hog tie looks like, what a chest harness looks like, that sort of thing. And if you're not physically flexible enough to do it, you can't be in it. Oh no. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no options for you whatsoever. Which isn't the case. Mm-hmm. You can... Or it means that you're, like, not a good rope bottom. Right. Which is so false. Right. Yeah. Like, your arms don't need to be at 90%. Uh, 90 degree angles, sorry. They can be a little lower. Um, you can modify hog ties so that your arms don't need to be quite so far back. Um, see, we both did the visual for that. <laughs> Like, we know, we know. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I'm trying to like describe these things. In I words. think most people probably know what a hog tie yeah. is. We're good, we're good. <laughs> um, when it, it's actually funny that we're talking about this because I'm wearing a chest harness right now. A gorgeous chest harness. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I saw it at a King conference I went to years ago and I fell in love with it. And it was $300 US. And I was like, ha ha ha. Just kidding, never buying this. Like, beautiful, but... No. No. And then, about a year or so ago, I downloaded the Wish app. Yeah. And found this on there for 11 bucks. Hell yeah. The only difference is right here, Mm -hmm. it attaches with a, uh, a button. And the one they sold in the store attached with a clip. Yeah the only difference wow now of course keep in mind it is a knockoff product from a big Asia company somewhere yeah. and treatment of workers and you know stealing of intellectual property and yeah there is a lot in there that you may or may not care about but it's 11 dollars. yeah <laughs> on the other hand and now this is accessible to me yeah and now i have the option of buying this and Maybe... I mean, if you can buy from independent creators and spend hundreds of dollars, then do that. Absolutely. If you have the money to do that, that's what you should be yes. doing. That's what you need to do. But I, if you don't, uh-huh. you can't. Exactly. Um, I absolutely think that, like, if you have the means to buy um, direct, do that. And if you don't, you do what you can, and maybe you've got an extra five bucks that you can send them as a tip. Maybe they've got a PayPal or a Patreon or something. Like, mm-hmm. send them the amount it would take for a coffee. Um, that would be great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've gotten a bunch of pieces that, off of Wish and other similar sites, that I only have access to 
owning this thing that I've seen in actual stores because it's a cheap knockoff. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, like, this is very sturdy. It, it looks like, great. Yeah. It's, I've been yanked around by it a lot. Like, it's... It does a trick. It's not going to break. And likewise, you can find things like bondage hoods on those sites for less than five bucks. Yeah. You can use things for blindfolds like scarves. Mm-hmm. Um, you can use things for gags like scarves. <laughs> scarves have so many uses, really. really so many do. kink uses. You can use them to Bondage. tie up someone's arms. Yeah. Or I have under the bed restraints on my bed. Mm-hmm. Less than 50 bucks. Yeah. 15, sorry, one five. Mm-hmm. And it adjusts to all different mattress sizes. You can attach your own cuffs to it. Yeah. Or you can get one that has built-in cuffs. Like, mm-hmm. You can spread spread eagle someone in two minutes. Perfect. Securely. Like, they're not going anywhere. Perfect. And yeah. you don't need to buy all of these extra pieces for it. You don't need to know how to do rope. You don't need this. I like this conversation because, like... I, this kind of is a thing that comes up, you know, every so often on sex work Twitter, where there's a person that's like, oh, well, I could never afford to book you. So that sucks, you know, and it's like, well, there are so many little ways that you can, you know, show servitude, show Mm -hmm. worship, you know, um, yeah, exactly how you're saying, like, go on their Patreon and, you know, Mm -hmm. give them five bucks a month subscribe to their thing you know do the thing where it's like buy them a coffee like all that mean right. stuff those are all all those little tributes you know are are greatly appreciated by sex oh, workers absolutely. and doms and whatnot as well like they're you can share their posts for visibility you can do your little things mm-hmm. you know you can if they're on night flirt i mean you can message them a bit and pay them for that it's really not that expensive to right. do the messaging like sexting on night flirt mm-hmm. or you know there are lots of different ways you can you can buy their content you can even like just, on and on you know yeah even yeah. just retweeting makes a huge difference there you go exactly it doesn't cost you a penny yeah um i also i have a collection of claws mm-hmm. um like just like little ones that you stick on your fingers yeah. my favorite ones are banjo picks perfect uh, yeah yeah Four dollars for a set of five. Hell yeah. They're metal, so if you have a violet wand, you can use them to conduct electricity through each of the different nails. Um, Banjo picks. I've never thought to use those as yeah. well. That's perfect. That's so that's I, so great. I bought them in a kink store and yeah. then I was wearing them one day for a scene, uh, topping a friend who's a musician. And they looked at me and they started laughing. And they're like, picks. are you wearing banjo picks? And I, I was like, sure. Uh, I Googled it. Oh, oh, oh yes, I, I guess am. I am. <laughs> they're the exact same thing. They're adjustable to almost any size finger. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, that's so Super cool. easy to access. Yeah. And you can get them, you can get them online. You can get them at any real music store. Yeah. You don't need to go to a sex store if that's not an option for you. Yeah. And same um, with like, like implements for impact play. You can beat anyone with anything. Yeah. Really? A book. Like anything you yeah. hang around. A charcuterie board, a cutting board. Like you got cutting shit around. Great. Yeah. Trust me. You got stuff to mm-hmm. spank someone with. 
if yeah. you so choose. Just do all your, do all the research you would do, you know, safety-wise, you know, if you're right. going to tie someone up with a scarf, still have some safety scissors handy, and like, yep. things like that. So do all your background work. Don't just pick up any item at home and go nuts without, without knowing, of course. you know, how to do the thing. But there are so many, uh, like, home hacks you can do with yeah. Jank, yeah, that are cheap and probably have a lot of them already. Yeah. Yeah. I think... We've touched on a lot of, like, financial uh, access, but keep in mind that for physical access, a lot of kink can be adapted. Mm -hmm. You might not know how immediately, but Twitter is a great resource. Um, Although, like you just said, do your research. Don't just assume random Twitter person who told you a thing is correct or knows safety protocols or anything. I am a perpetual ice cube, for instance. <laughs> I my body is kind of broken, it just and it's runs not cold. good at yeah. I can't re- maintain body heat. Everyone that I date or anything makes jokes about me being a heat vampire, like <laughs> duvet in the middle of summer. I'm always freezing, kind of person, um, and I have low blood pressure. So if you're tying me up my warning signs are not the same as other people. Mm. A lot of people, like, you're turning red and you're getting cold. That's bad. Like, Mm -hmm. time to get out. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Like, that's my default. (laughs) Yeah. So there's various things that you will learn about yourself. uh, And you will learn that this is something I need to tell Rope Tops this in Mm. advance. I have to say, hey, like, feel my hands, feel my feet now. This is fine. This is baseline. This is my, yeah. And again, this is the thing, like you're saying, you got to know thyself before yeah. you can communicate it, right? Those are things that you've got to figure out about yourself. Exactly. Before you can, someone else can do a thing for you. Right. Yeah. yeah. And there's so many areas where, you know, you're saying you have a hard time in heels. Mm-hmm. You don't need to wear the heels. Yeah, just do it without the heels. Easy. Yeah. Doesn't mean you're a bad dom or you're not a, you're, you can't be a dom. You can't be dominant. Exactly. Just don't wear the heels. <laughs> if you want to be tall, make them stand on the ground and stand on a stool Stand on a stool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Ask them um, to get down lower. <laughs> yeah. They're the sub. <laughs> they can get down lower. Exactly. <laughs> uh, or there are things like maybe you're not able to lace your corset. Mm-hmm. Which is a skill. Oh, um, oh, oh. It's definitely a skill, but yeah. say say that isn't something that you're capable of doing. Um, now this is, you know, an easier example, potentially. Or not an easier example, but a something that most people wouldn't think of as a kink or a scene. But if you feel dominant and good in a corset and you're not able to lace it, make them do it for service. Uh Uh-huh. Love that. Um, If you're not able to reach out and restrain them yourself, you can tell them, you can act as if you've restrained them and tell them where they have to keep their hands. Yeah, verbal bondage. Yeah, where they have to keep their feet. Tell them what will happen if they move, and tell them to stay in that position. They might not actually be restrained, 
but it still works. Mm -hmm. It still counts as bondage. I love verbal restraints. I love that. Yeah. Um, And a lot of the physical things we do, if you can't stand with your hands above your head for that long. Yeah. Have them restrained lower down. Easy. Um, If you require, you know, all sorts of things, we can change how the scenes look. We can make it a a form of service is a great way of adapting it. Mm -hmm. Delegate, delegate. Yeah. Micro, like, manage, like, Exactly. Get get all the little... If you're feeling kind of crappy mentally and you have to top for a worship scene, you know, that that's a weird place to be in, like accepting worship when your brain is not, wanting not to. having a good day. Mm-hmm. Um, you can use this to get praise and positive reinforcement and th- these things that your brain might need. You can work with that. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think a lot of the things that we do for kink don't need to look the way that we've been told they do. Mm. Via just, like, mainstream media. Right. Like, yeah. And it is quite easy for most kinks, not all, uh, to be adapted to various disabilities or chronic illness or just interest in general. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, into a way that will actually work for the person. Yeah. Love that. Okay. Amazing. We should take a break. We've had a very long first half, Mm -hmm. but it's perfectly fine. We're going to come back and, uh, we've got another couple topics that we want to go through. Uh, this is amazing, Taylor. Thank you so much. My pleasure. We're going to hear from Oasis Aqualound, Unicorn Collaborators, and ComeAsYouAre.com. So stay tuned, everybody. We'll be right back. take a moment to talk about our lovely sponsors shall we first of all oasis aqua lounge is a water themed sex club located right here in toronto at 231 mutual street oasis is inclusive of all genders and orientations and is shame free when it comes to pleasure and play check them out at their website oasisaqualounge.com Unicorn Collaborators is the local leather business of two queer unicorns. They specialize in luxurious and colorful harnesses for all body types, and even craft non-conventional ones for your thigh, fist, or foot. Check them out at their Etsy shop under Unicorn Collaborators. Lovecrafters Toys is a non-gendered fantasy sex toy line that makes weird and wonderful dildos in the shape of tentacles, unicorn horns, mermaid tails, and more. Their high-quality silicone is hand-poured right here in Toronto. Check out their Etsy shop at Lovecrafters Toys. ComeAsYouAre.com is a trans-owned, trans-operated sex shop that also happens to be feminist and anti-capitalist. They carry only the best sex toys and want to give you the best price possible. Next time, use the coupon code BEDPOST, that's B-E-D-P-O-S-T, when checking out at ComeAsYouAre.com. everyone and welcome back. I'm here of course with Taylor J. Mace. Hello. Hello, hello. And we've chosen one lovely topic to finish off this pod with and it is, it's kind of related to what we were speaking about, uh, which is great for the listeners and we're going to be talking about 
balancing multiple dominance. So what do we what do we mean when we say that, Taylor? So what we mean, or what I mean at least, because yes. I'm the one who wrote this. <laughs> He's the one that sent um, me that that DM. Yes, <laughs> that was me. What I mean is for polyamorous folk out there, Great. or non-monogamous people in general, sometimes you like more than one dominant person. Yeah, you find yourself. <laughs> yeah. You're in this amazing position where there are two or more dominant leaning folks in your life who want to have scenes with you and especially if you're in a more 24 7 dynamic with any of them sometimes can be a lot it can be a lot or it can just be complicated for instance if one dominant likes you to be on orgasm restriction and only orgasm when they allow you to and the other dominant likes forced orgasms <laughs> what's a girl what to do yeah. <laughs> how do you do love it I so love it. what this is about really is figuring out ways to make these relationships work yeah and for people who are non-monogamous i am sure you have heard this advice before but you have to talk to your partners. <laughs> yeah, you have to do this thing called communication. Yeah. <laughs> Negotiate, communicate, figure out what the boundaries are, what people like and don't like. Yeah. All of that. Yeah, because like when you enter into like especially a 24 dynamic, like you've got to, even if you don't have other um, partners or dominance in your life, like you still have to work with their schedule and right. work with what they're willing to give, you know, protocol wise and schedule wise. Like right. you have to work with their stuff that they already have going on. Exactly. Yeah. So and I love this. Yeah. Even if you only have one dominant, for instance, I wear a collar. I don't wear my collar all the time. Mm-hmm. I also demanded my collar, uh, but that's another <laughs> conversation. Um, <laughs> this I'm, is the collar that you're wearing yes. right now. I love it. Yeah. I have a good little submissive who informed my dominant several times that he was going to get me a collar, and then he <laughs> did. Um, however, the point of this story is I don't wear this all the time. Okay. People have this idea that your collar, do you wear the collar 24 7? I don't wear it to work. I don't wear it when I'm sleeping. If I'm sleeping in the same bed as my nesting partner, who did not give me my collar, there are several times and situations in which we've negotiated that I don't want to wear it. Mm. And that's fine. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. It works for us. And so I have a key and I take it off in the situations in which... I'm not wearing it. Because mm-hmm. it has it is locked on. Yes. You. Yeah, it has a lock, a padlock on the yes, front. Yes, it does. <laughs> uh, and I have the key on my regular keychain. Cool. And I have control over that because that's what we've negotiated. So I have the option to remove it if I'm in a scene with someone else and I want to call her on. I typically don't, mm-hmm. but I have that option. Mm-hmm. And no matter what your relationship is with a single dominant, there are still several instances like this, like their schedule, like you mentioned, that you do need to talk about and you do need to negotiate. And when it comes to having more than one dominant... Even more so. Yes. (laughs) The same thing applies. Even if you only have one, like, 
actual, you are my dominant, and then go out and play with other right. people, and you act as a submissive to them. Even if it isn't that you have more than one person that you call your dominant. If you're playing with more than one D-type, um, there are often further conversations that need to be had. Mm-hmm. Obviously, aside from the, hey, you know about each other, and we're all on the same page conversation. Yes, just all this ethical polyamory yes. stuff that ideally should happen. Ideally. And yes. I'm going to skip all over all of that. We're, that, we're assuming that that yes. is happening. Yes. We're assuming that's happening. We're assuming you've done what you need to do to have all of your relationships be ethical. Yeah. Um, or that you've made the decision on your own not to, for whatever reason. You're a grown-up. You do you. Yeah. Uh, so we'll use the orgasm example. Great. Uh, so your one <laughs> dominant has you on orgasm restriction. You can only orgasm when they say you can. And then the other orgasm, the other... Dominant. The other orgasm! <laughs> the other orgasm. Yeah, you know. The other dominant wants you wants to do forced orgasm scenes. On the surface, if you don't have any more conversations, you can't have both. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are not compatible without further conversations. Yeah. So They're in direct conflict yes. with each other. So you've told both, you've told the second dominant, hey, you know, I'm on orgasm restriction. And they go, oh, well, I've, I'm really wanting to do this forced orgasm scene with you, though. All right. You can, you've got a couple of choices at this point. You can say, all right, can't do it. Sorry. Yeah. You can say, okay, we'll do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And just deal with the repercussions. Either not tell the first dominant or... Tell them that you broke the rule and deal and with deal, it. Yeah. Or you can say, all right, I'll talk to the other dominant and we'll see if we can make an arrangement. Yeah. Um, for instance, I I have a rule uh, with a dominant that I play with that I have to ask for permission to orgasm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have to grant it. This rule does not apply when I'm working. I'm allowed having whatever orgasms... I want or need when it comes to work. Mm-hmm. They don't want to control that in any way, and I don't want them to control my work either. And Perfect. Then, yeah. But you're both agreed then. Yeah. yeah. And when it comes to partnered sex, which is sex I have with anyone else, not sex I have with, an, with a partner, mm-hmm. I also have control over deciding whether or not I'm going to have an orgasm. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be mid-sex and have to text right. your dominant to ask. And it's also... That doesn't make sense. Right. Yes. Nobody it's, wants to... Yeah. That's not something we need. We want to be doing. Exactly. So, yeah. And most of my non-professional life, partnered sex is not pre-planned. It's a situation it's thing, where... Yeah. Yeah. You want to have the freedom, maybe you want to have the freedom of, you know, spontaneous kinky encounters. So let's work that into our dynamic. And the rule used to be that any orgasm outside of ones with my partners who I'm romantically dating or orgasms through work had to be pre-approved. And I found that didn't work for me because spontaneous sex couldn't happen the way that I do it for the most part. Um, so we renegotiated, and now they control 
any like masturbation mm-hmm. or situations where I know in advance. And that's the agreement we've made. And that does it a trick for both of you. That's still orgasm control. Exactly. But we're just um, you know, catering it to our circumstances, yeah. right? You're both still participating in orgasm control. Exactly. And now that's an example with just one dominant, but that would be the sort of conversation I would have if one said that they wanted to do a forced orgasm and the other one said that they wanted to control all of it. I can go to the one who wants to control all of it and say, hey, person two wants to do a forced orgasm. I am getting your permission now to do it. They are still controlling my orgasm in that they can say yes or no. Mm -hmm. And if they say yes, I can do this forced orgasm scene. They are still in control of that orgasm Mm -hmm. in a different way. Because they've granted it, per, granted me permission to have them. Mm-hmm. Um, and likewise, when it comes to any type of rule that a dominant could make, there might be a time when it conflicts. Maybe you're lucky. Maybe everything these two or more people say... Com- perfectly complement yes. each other. <laughs> works into this like Tetris puzzle piece of a life. But and there's odd- never any trouble. Yeah, but odds are that's not going to happen. Right. Odds are sometimes... One dom needs you to do this while your other dom needs you to yeah. be doing this. So you've got to kind of, yeah, navigate. And exactly. <laughs> so you be upfront with both of them and you tell each of them... This is the rule that I already have in place. This is what you're asking for me, um, from me. And you have that conversation of, how do you feel about this rule I have with the other person? How does this impact my dynamic with you? Is this something that you are comfortable with? And like, if you had free reign, say, what would you be looking for? And you can have that back and forth with them independently. You can have that back and forth with them all together, depending on how well everyone gets along and where you live. And And your boundaries concerning that. Yeah. But it's a situation in which there aren't any two rules that are so... Rules or wishes that are so incompatible that... Definitely in no situation can you find a compromise. It depends on the individual people. Some people compromise easier than others. Yes, true. Uh, (laughs) Ain't that the truth? Yeah. Uh, So it's a situation where you can have the one person who has an all-the-time rule that you don't always need to have. My all-the-time rule is that I always wear my collar. Except for when I don't. Yes. (laughs) I have to ask for permission for every orgasm. Except for the ones I don't. Yes. Love it. And even though these examples are actually from multiple people, because the orgasm control person is not the same person as the collar person, they are still situations where I can ask the one person, how they're feeling about it, and we can rework rules to fit changing relationships. Just because you have a rule today doesn't mean it needs to be your rule forever. Yeah. 
People grow and change, and so do relationships. Uh, so does protocol. Yeah. yeah. So do contracts, if you've done a contract. Exactly. Yeah, it's all not written in a tablet. Yeah. Unless you mean the tablet that you can type on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, there's always room to re- renegotiate things. Yeah. And if there isn't room to renegotiate things, that's a red flag. Yeah. I was just going to say that. What if this first dom is like, no, absolutely no. My rules are the highway. They have every right to say that. And you have every right to choose not to accept that. Yes. Uh, There are situations in which they will say, no, I'm not willing to be flexible on this. And that's fine. As long as they're doing it and respecting you and respecting your boundaries and your other relationships. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's a difference between my way or the highway on this one thing, or I'm refusing to allow you access to anyone else. These are different conversations. Definitely. One is, no, this is important to me. The other is, no, I'm controlling and probably abusive. Uh, These are different situations. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. But these people who are your dominance hopefully care about you. Yeah. And your happiness. And that's what it's all supposed to be about. Right. right? Like, so ideally they're going to be willing to negotiate on some things mm -hmm. and see if there's a middle ground they can face. Mm -hmm. Just like compromise in any relationship, right? any sort of dynamic that you have with a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, whatever. Exactly. You know, compromise. Right. (laughs) Um, Maybe you're one dominant says, oh, you've had a long day at work. I want you to relax and play video games this evening. And your other dominant says, you've had a long day at work, but I know that your dishes are piling up and that's stressing you out, so you have to do your dishes. Mm-hmm. You can do both. Mm-hmm. You can do a lot of dishes and then and play then your go game. Play video games. Um, or if they, if they both say, as soon as you get home, you have to play video games. As soon as you get home, you have to do dishes. You can say, hey, can I play an hour of video games first? Mm-hmm. You can say, can I quickly do some dishes? Mm-hmm. Um, you can do both these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a matter of adding another layer to the things that you negotiate about and communicate about. Think of it more as if someone asks me to do a thing that I don't want to do for myself. Mm-hmm. I can have that conversation and say, you know, I'm, I'm really not feeling this. I'm not in the mood to take, you know, a five minute video for you of me doing this elaborate kinky thing. <laughs> can I do that tomorrow? Mm-hmm. I can have that conversation for myself. Or I can say... You know, I have other things to do tonight. Can I take that video tomorrow? Or my other dominant wants me to do all the dishes in the house. Do you mind if I take the video after? Mm -hmm. It's the same negotiation you're already having, except you're bringing another person into it. Yes, it does complicate things because you're adding other people's feelings and wants and needs and that's inherently more complicated, uh-huh. but the actual... It, it can be navigated. Yeah, it can be navigated, and the actual skills 
you already have them if you know how to negotiate on behalf of yourself. Yeah. Which ideally you do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ideally you do. <laughs> yeah. You are negotiating on behalf of yourself in a way because you're choosing that you want to engage with both of these dominants and that you want to follow the rules and you're opting into it. So, into finding a way. Yeah. To do both. To exactly. do all. And a lot of people view having multiple dominants as much harder than having multiple submissives. Because with multiple submissives, you're giving orders to each one, but you're not receiving orders, is the thought. I don't think it's inherently any more complicated to have multiple dominants than multiple submissives. And I think a lot of the time we look at submissive submitting as this big act that you're doing for someone, which it is. It absolutely is, but so is being dominant. Mm-hmm. Um, you are making a huge commitment to that person, especially the more 24-7 it is, the more you're committing to them. Yeah. And it can be just as complicated to juggle multiple submissives as it is multiple dominants. Uh, but the same, the same practices exist for both people, the same like communication styles or suggested, you know, practice exists for both situations. And it, this is reminding me of a conversation I had, uh, on another episode with Darren infinity. So if people want to kind of hear more about what we mean by like commitment uh, with protocol go and find the Darren Infinity episode and Darren is lovely I haven't heard that episode but I recommend it already yeah, he essentially is talking yeah about exactly what you're saying well more just because we won't have time to right. completely go into of this course. idea right now and it's a very important yes uh relatable idea even to people that aren't into kink just having protocol in your life and what that means for both of you the right. both the giver and the receiver yeah uh so yeah darren infinity's episode did I cut you off? I hope I didn't. Um, no, I was... We're... Yeah. At the end. <laughs> you're just you're arriving. Yeah. Same sort of communication practices. Um, if you've got multiple submissives, as if you have multiple dominants. For sure. And just think of it as an extension of negotiating for yourself. Because that's really what you're doing. Yeah. You're negotiating for, for someone else on your behalf. And again, that's coming back, right back bookends to this concept you came in here with when you're talking about you've got to know what you want and what you need in your own boundaries exactly. before you can enter dynamics and scenes and whatnot with other people right exactly so same idea you've got to know what you can give uh you know if you're jumping into multiple dominance yes. in a 24 7 dynamics and all that kind of things you've got to be able that number one is you've got to be able to advocate for yourself yeah. and know what you can do yeah, and yeah. you've got to know that whatever you put in stone today is not in stone forever. For sure. Yeah, yeah. And everything can be renegotiated or at least talked about again, even if you don't negotiate it again. Yeah, definitely. Love yeah. this. You've been so fabulous today, Thank Taylor. You. I try. <laughs> you try and you succeed. Are you able to tell the people where uh, we can follow you? Yeah. You know, where they can even see if you've got classes coming up, where they can all yeah, indulge in all your stuff. Because you do a lot. You do I a do lot of different so things in this things. field. Yeah. 
so you can follow my kink education stuff. Uh, my website is called feistyfoxfilms.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, that also has all the information about upcoming workshops. I'm in the process of... I haven't run workshops in a while because I'm trying to transition to doing some online ones. Cool. I'm in the process of that still. So hopefully in the next... In the near future, there will be more information about that. Cool. My Twitter and Facebook for it are also Feisty Fox Films. And then if you're interested in... Me as a sex worker, we didn't talk much about this, uh, but I am you mentioned also it a sex anyways. worker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Taylor J. Mace, just the letter J, or my website, taylorjmace.com. Amazing. Oh, well, thank you so much, Taylor, for coming in today. You've been just so fabulous. It's a lot of fun. Oh, you're great. And um, what do I have to tell you folks? So if you're in the Toronto area and want to see the Bedpost show... I uh, do. I do. Oh, me, me, please. They're dark for December, like always. So we'll see you back in January. I just booked the Fulls year. Fulls year. Yep of dates with the Social Capital Theater. Okay. So I am the third Friday of every month at 8 p.m. at the Social Capital Year Social Capital Year Theater for the entire year of 2020. Wow. It is booked and blessed, baby. So um, other, you know, social media things, at the Lady Pim one on Twitter, my doming t- uh, Instagram just got deleted, so the new one, boo. yeah, boo. It's, it's I, I can't say I'm surprised uh, or that it hasn't happened to me before. So the Same. new one is Pim Lady. If you want to give me a follow there, uh, also you know the bedpost one got deleted not too long ago. So for boo. that, <laughs> the new one for that on Instagram is at the bedpost podcast. You want to email me? That's the bedpost sex show at gmail.com. Once again, the Patreon is patreon.com/slash the bedpost show. Our YouTube channel where we're doing our fun new sex toy review series with comedians. It's called Bedpost Product Reviews and it is on your YouTube channel, which is the Bedpost Sex Show. Lastly, one huge thank you to Stephanie Copeland, who does all the original music for this podcast. Check out her stuff at stephcopelandmusic.com. And everyone, we will see you next week with another lovely guest uh, here in the bedroom talking about more sex and sexuality stuff on the Bedpost Podcast. We'll see you next time, everyone. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar!